This Scientific American podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, your source for audiobooks and more. Audible.com features 100,000 titles, including Walter Isaacson's biography, Albert Einstein, His Life and Universe, narrated by Edward Herman, and Stephen Hawking's The Theory of Everything, narrated by Michael York. Right now, Audible.com is offering a free audiobook and a one-month trial membership to the Scientific American audience. For details, go to audible.com slash Siam, S-C-I-A-M. Welcome to the Scientific American Podcast Science Talk, posted on June 18th, 2013. I'm Steve Mursky. On this episode... The other strange thing, or surprising thing, about many grinding operations is it's the hard thing that breaks off, and the the substrate, that which holds, in this case, the whiskers is so flexible that it doesn't get ground off. And that is, of course, Bill Nye, the science guy. He's involved with a promotion connected with the new Superman movie, which presented a good opportunity to talk with one of the champions of science outreach in the U.S. I spoke to him by phone before the movie opened. Bill Nye, of course, the science guy. Why don't you tell us about this particular project that you're involved with? Well, the Man of Steel is the latest uh, manifestation of uh, our, everyone's beloved Superman. And uh, the re- the thing I think part of the reason Superman is such a hit and stands the test of time, I think, is two things. First of all, he can fly, which is just cool. Then the other thing, he's got that cape. I mean, who doesn't want to have a cape? My goodness. When I was a little kid, I actually ran up and down the street with a, a red towel tied around my neck. Well, I, I, of course. I mean, yeah. But I'm glad you didn't jump off a roof hoping... No, I did not do that. Yeah, you realize there are limitations. You know, we planet's massive, like 10 to the 24th kilos, has all this gravity. It's But he's Superman. I mean, it's a different world. And so along with that different world, in the movie, which let. I mean, let me be clear, I have not seen yet. But he has a beard. Clark Kent has a beard. And he's agonizing over whether or not to be a human or go back to Krypton, which I guess blew up. He's got some arch enemies. There's some issues with his father. It's very traumatic. But then all of a sudden, he's clean-shaven. What's up with that? So uh, Gillette asked me to speculate on uh, how this would be possible. And... But conventionally, I would say there's a a material science explanation, matsai, as we say. Uh, And so it's a grinding operation. And give us a little detail, yeah. So the old question in material science or in tribology, if I may speak about tribology, the study of friction, the old question is the road is made of concrete, very hard, durable material. Tires are made of rubber although durable, clearly a much softer material. Nobody goes slashing roads with a knife the way you might slash a tire. So why does a road ever wear out? Why does the end of the runway where the planes land ever wear out? And the answer is uh, has to do with tribology or uh, material science. And just if the every surface has asperity or roughness, and so the roughness is, if you have a, um, a, an asperity on a tire with a very large cross-sectional area, and you have an asperity on a road with a very small cross-sectional area, it's like a pillow hitting an a, a, um, icicle, hitting an icicle. The pillow can decapitate the icicle, 
Then you have pieces of icicle ground in with your pieces of pillow, and they work harden uh, or st strain harden and become harder than either surface, and then they start grinding. The particles start grinding away, and very reasonable. I mean, that's what that's what goes on with Superman. Give, how do you mean that in in terms of what would he actually do in order to shave? He'd have a Kryptonian razor that works by grinding. Uh -huh. And if that thing wore out, he'd just fab one up from uh, earth, earthly material, terrestrial materials. Right. So although he is indestructible, his facial hair would not be... Yeah, you'd be able to grind it without destroying it. That's right. And so the other strange thing or surprising thing about many grinding operations is it's the hard thing that breaks off and the, so the substrate that which holds, in this case, the whiskers or the arterial wall is so flexible that it doesn't get ground off. People grind the plaque out of arteries without destroying the arteries with a grinder, albeit a precision, beautiful, pricey, stainless steel, fabulous grinder. So uh, this, this, you know, I'm a mechanical engineer, doggone it. I mean, as I like to say, I'm human, but uh, this would be a classic use of a grinding operation. Now, this was a, an explanation that you came up with. Yeah. It's my recollection. When I was a kid and I was a devout Superman comic reader, uh, my, my recollection is that there was uh, some of his... Uh, heat ray vision. Exactly. He would, he would uh, use mirrors and bounce his heat rays off the mirror and do some fine uh, vaporization work. One of the criteria for the Man of Steel movie that I was presented with, and I won't say it was a finger-pointing, angry confrontation, it was all very uh, friendly, is you were not allowed in this explanation to use any of the, uh, if I understand the use of this term, the canon of Superman lore. You weren't, uh, for example, I saw him on the black and white television show, I saw him walk through walls. He would dissociate his molecules and go through a wall. I remember that one. Which was a spectacular effect. I guess they used double exposures. Oh, my God. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> and so uh, that was not permitted. And the heat ray was not permitted. By the way, uh -huh. I mean, the guy can fly into volcanoes. right? I mean, he flies through. He flies right around the sun once in a while. Didn't he fly right through the sun to clean his suit? Yeah, some or maybe just a corona mass discharge. So uh, uh, if he can do that, what the heck? He comes out as the curl of his, you know, the lock of hair is fine. Right. So I don't know about the heat vision in the mirror. So let me ask you. It could be, I don't know this, but it could be that the authors of that Superman episode were not aware of this fundamental question in material science. I'm not saying. It's just possible. But what charms me about it, about the whole thing, is you're, you're trying to come up with a scientific hypothesis or theory in the middle of a fictional world where the guy has superpowers. I mean, it's just a fun exercise. And that's what I was going to ask you about. Let's talk a little bit more about the value, other than just the, the pure entertainment of it, which is quite valuable in and of itself. What's the value, for, especially for kids, in consuming this kind of material and then thinking about it from a really scientific viewpoint. 
Well, I think, first of all, you start with the passion, beauty, and joy, the PB&J of flying. And then you get into, well, if you're going to live in this world where you have the superpower, there are some logical constraints. And I cannot help but think of Goodell's theorem about self-consistent systems. And, I mean, I'm not a mathematician full-time. I mean, I took a lot of freaking calculus in school. Uh, and I did it for a living for, well, I guess 20 years. But uh, in Goodell's world, any self-consistent system is inherently incomplete. You can show that any vector space that is mathematically self-consistent has some fundamental assumptions that are unprovable. And this is only my recollection. This may not be right, but, it, but my recollection is how I came up with the theory or the hypothesis. So you have to, you have to accept that there's going to be an incompleteness. And this just reminds me of that. Superman can fly on the Earth. He's from Krypton. He has a beard, then he doesn't have a beard. What's why? How is that possible? And so it's just a cool exercise to, uh, to try to figure out how that would be. That's good stuff. Um, if you have another minute, I'm just curious if you, if you feel like talking. Uh, there was some news accounts recently. You, you had a, a public uh, event in Waco, Texas. Oh, that was several years ago, but still, it stands the test of time because of our beloved internet. Oh, okay. I just, I th it got, it got played again recently for some reason. It pops up, uh, and I'm delighted, frankly. So, you want to talk about that a little? Well, these, this woman and two children, I presume it's a mother and her two children, left the room, uh, indignant, angry, muttering after I pointed out in the, Real early on in the Old Testament, it might be on the first page of typical text, um, the text claims this is in English, which has got to be translated a couple times from a couple different languages, ancient languages. It says that uh, God made the sun to light the day and the moon to light the night. Well, the moon's visible in the sky, I guess, what, 25 days of the month or 24 days of the month? And so there's no evidence... For me, that the guy or the person who wrote that passage understood that the moon had reflected light. And so then the woman grabs her two kids by the wrists and storms out of the room noisily, make, making a scene. Because you had said that the moon does not produce its own light, it's reflecting. Well, then, since the moon doesn't clearly does not produce its own light. I mean, I've met the guy who walked on the moon, Buzz Aldrin. I've spent a lot of time with him. I, I think I met Gene Cernan at a big event years ago. They walked on the moon, okay? The moon's not glowing. Their, I can tell you, the moon's burn. not glowing. Right. So since it is reasonable to me that the Bible was written by a human rather than by a deity with superpowers. And so uh, then the woman storms out of the room noisily. What am I supposed to do? Okay, all right. Do you really believe the moon is glowing? You Really? In other words, she is living, talk about a self-inconsistent system. And Mike, then what I think rekindled this thing in Waco, Texas, was a year ago, February, in another interview with another media outlet called Big Think, uh, I remark that if an adult wants to hold this, this uh, inconsistent view of the world, that is to say, the world is clearly... We can demonstrate, especially with rubidium and strontium, you can demonstrate that the world's four and a half, 4.54 billion years old. And then 
then many of these adults of this influence uh, are okay with believing that the world is 10,000 years old. And I said, if you adults want to do that, want to carry that self-inconsistency, that's fine. But keep it to yourself when it comes to your children in school and science education. And it is inappropriate to spend tax dollars intended for science education teaching that the world is 10,000 years old. It's just inappropriate. And I, as a taxpayer, it, it, I'm not going to put up with that. And so uh, this, got, this stirred up a lot of controversy. But creationists are, I think, largely by accident, leaving the world worse than they found it. Hey, Bill Nye, thanks very much. Pleasure to talk to you. Oh, thank you. Let's, uh, dare I say it, change the world. By the way, if you find musings about Superman interesting, do find the 1971 essay by Larry Niven entitled Man of Steel, Woman of Kleenex. We'll be back right after this word from Carrie Smith at the Nature Podcast. This week, why naked mole rats are cancer-proof, why Martian meteorites don't look like the Martian surface, and the company that claims to have a working quantum computer. Just go to www.nature.com slash podcast. That's it for this episode. Get your science news at our website, www.scientificamerican.com. And check out the collection of Scientific American ebooks available for Kindle, Nook, and iBooks. The latest one features a collection of articles about parallel universes, once the stuff of science fiction, now the stuff of science speculation. You can find them by going to our website, then clicking on Products on the right near the top, and then on Scientific American ebooks. They're all less than four bucks. And follow us on Twitter, where you'll get a tweet whenever a new item hits the website. Our Twitter name is at Siam, S-C-I-A-M. For Scientific American Science Talk, I'm Steve Mursky. Thanks for clicking on us. 